while police photographing our license plate. What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Good afternoon and welcome to the Reasonable Voices talk news radio program. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. George Worthington, our guest today, is a Master of Science and is the Dementia Services Coordinator for Virginia's Department for Aging and Rehabilitative Services. That's D-A-R-S. Prior to joining the Department for Aging and Rehabilitative Services, our guest, George Worthington, spent three years working at the Jefferson Area Board for Aging. That's J-A-B-A, better known as JABA the Area Agency on Aging serving Charlottesville and surrounding counties. In this position, George developed and oversaw programs supporting individuals living with dementia and their care partners, and programs helping connect seniors and adults living with a disability to supports and services available to the community. Currently, George Worthington is the convener for the Dementia-Friendly Albemarle Charlottesville. That's DFAC. And the DFAC is part of an international initiative led nationally by Dementia Friendly America and liaises with local and statewide providers working in dementia to complement their current services. In the greater Charlottesville area, the DFAC works to raise awareness of dementia to enable people living with dementia and their care partners and families to remain engaged with the community. Welcome, George Worthington, to the Reasonable Voices program. How are you today? I'm very well, thanks, Marcello. Thank you for having me today. It's my absolute pleasure. And there's so much to talk about, but there was so much, and there's so much more to tell them about you but I want to get to, um, I know, the, the kind of information that you want to share with us, because after all, your business is making us aware. So, if I may, I do want to mention one more thing. Mr. Worthington is a graduate of the Master of Clinical Psychology program at La Trope University in Melbourne, Australia, and holds a Master of Science in Economics from the London School of Economics and Political Science of the United Kingdom. So, he knows of what he speaks, is my point, and I wanted to mention that. How how does one, George, create a dementia-friendly community? How do you do that? 
That is a great question, Marcello, and it has, uh, uh, I guess, a, a, a big answer. So well, it's a big question, so it has a big answer. But um, basically, dementia-friendly communities uh, is, a, is an initiative that started here in America um, back in 2015. It was uh, launched at the White House Conference on Aging that year and is being led by a national organization, the National Association for Area Agencies on Aging, or N4A. They have a, a really fantastic website, Dementia Friendly America, and on that they have provided a, a toolkit for any community to help them become dementia friendly. Mm. This, this toolkit comprises suggestions for how to set up an action team, uh, what sectors of the community to engage, and in general provide some some general guidelines to how how to how to create a dementia friendly community. So, but each community, of course, is very idiosyncratic. Everybody, every community has its own issues and its own profile, and I guess a landscape for how um, how how it's currently moving towards uh, an age friendly or dementia friendly. Environment. So, with Charlottesville, one of the, I guess one of the interesting things is having the the city and the county. So you have two two kind of separate but but joined very well, very conjoined communities. Mm -hmm. um, and our goal is to really engage both both the city and the county in this effort. So we set up an action team about a year ago, following a statewide uh, workshop that. Uh, was intended to kick off Dementia Friendly Virginia, which supports uh, initiatives across the state in various communities. So at that point, there was only one dementia friendly community in Virginia that was recognized by the national network, and that was Herndon up mm. in uh, Fairfax County. Mm -hmm. So at the workshop, we we had a, a few a few folks from Charlottesville. So we had myself, uh, Alan Tips from the Alzheimer's Association. Dr. Kristen Koch from the uh, now called the Aging and uh, Aging in Place Business Network, which is a subgroup of the Charlottesville Chamber of Commerce, uh, and a couple of other folks who, after the workshop, we got very excited about this this initiative and, and thought Charlottesville, with its rapidly aging population, would be a great place to um, promote something like this. So. Um, since that workshop, initiatives have got underway in about 15 communities across the state, and uh, a couple of them are now also recognized by the uh, national network, which is fantastic. And we, we've set up an action team here in Charlottesville trying to include people from as many sectors of the community as we can. So we currently have folks from the Alzheimer's Association, we have folks from the arts community, we have folks from uh, local businesses, uh, local health systems, but one, one gap is we really, we really want to engage with or have people engaged in our, in our planning who themselves are living with dementia or are care partners for people living with dementia. Mm. I know these folks face a, a, a a range of issues and barriers to um, adding extra things in their lives, but we're looking for somebody who's willing to be an advocate and really help inform what we're doing by what's important to them. So mm -hmm. I think that 
that's a really important part of the, the dementia-friendly initiative across the country. So that's, that's a, a key part of it. That was a big answer for a big question. I really appreciate it. Many people know that I lost both parents to Alzheimer's, but as the doctors tell me, I did keep them alive for 12 years living with it. So when we say living with dementia, people don't necessarily die right away. People do live with dementia, and we want them to, but we want to surround them uh, not only with professional caregivers, but also with family and friends who know how to be empathetic caregivers and and for that you have to you have to learn you have to know what it is you're dealing with because uh you know as i think it was mark twain or wc fields or someone like that said we either get older or we die so those are our alternatives and so so how in 2019 because i know we're still battling a stigma of, of any kind of mental illness how in 2019 are we still people like you pushing up the hill this enormous uh, need to uh, for people to be aware as opposed to people running to you to get information for help because I didn't have help I didn't know I didn't know the things that you could offer I was busy in New York I was having a great career and suddenly my parents clearly needed my help but I've since met Ellen Phipps and you and many associated with the Alzheimer's Association and with the aging population. So t- tell me, how how is it we're still struggling, or are you struggling with this stigma of mental illness? Is that a battle that's ongoing for you? Absolutely, and, uh, and this is really one of an area where where I hope I can make a difference, uh, not only in my role at, at DARS, but also with Dementia Friendly of Marshallsville. One of our key goals is to address, raise awareness about dementia and improve understanding, and by doing so, reduce that stigma. So I think I think we're really back with dementia. We're kind of where cancer was maybe 30 or 40 years ago, where mm-hmm. people really weren't that comfortable talking about it, mm-hmm. and you know, doctors often didn't didn't provide a, a diagnosis of cancer for fear of um, upsetting their patients, and uh, particularly if it was in a, a type of cancer that we didn't have a, a cure or a treatment for at that mm. point. And mm. dementia, well, let's let's call it what it is. It's a fatal illness, uh, at least Alzheimer's disease, which is the, the largest cause of dementia. Mm-hmm. So remember that dementia is a group of symptoms. It's not actually a, a disease or a diagnosis. But um, it, the, the diseases that, that cause dementia are typically untreatable at this point and, and eventually will, will cause the person living with dementia to die. Mm-hmm. So this is, I think that, that lack of, of treatment uh, or effective treatment that will actually stop the progression of the disease or a cure makes, makes that, that, that stigma and much stronger. It's much harder to talk about this this, uh, this disease, mm-hmm. one of the diseases that cause dementia. And doctors still often will not provide a diagnosis. Patients have difficulty talking about the, the subject with their doctor. They're worried about what, what that might mean for them if they have cognitive issues. But it's really important to get an early diagnosis because uh, and if you have co- concerns about your cognition, you should be talking to your doctor about it. If you have worries about your memory, 
speak with your doctor because even though there's not a uh, really effective treatment or a cure, there are some interventions that can help help make it easier to live with the disease. And also, uh, there are things that you can do to put plans in place for your own future that you may not be able to once the disease progresses further. So it's, it's really important that we try and raise that awareness and get the understanding out there that this is that, that while these conversations are hard, they should they should happen. Absolutely, um, and yeah. I can't agree more with the, the preparation because again, because I was uh, you know trial by fire. Uh, you make an excellent point, George, and that is, you first of all, it, it may not be dementia. People get older and the cognitive uh, abilities uh, uh, wane a bit. You may go to the doctor and find out that information. Because dementia and Alzheimer's are not about where did I leave my keys, you know. Uh, it's yeah. it's something very different. And the doctors can help. And the sooner you go, George, is absolutely right, the better. Uh, but also, I, I can't stress enough all the things that you know you would love to do to leave in place and in some kind of order for your family. You want to do it while you can. Uh, one last right. question, George. Uh, man, you are so grand in the way you have a handle on this. And, of course... Of course you do, you know, given your background and experience and education. I, I just wonder this, you are, can we say you are programming or uh, societal attitudes and, and, and the purpose of that is to, to, to get people to act positively, to, to move with some effective diligence. Is that, is that sort of capture it or you tell me? So uh, yes, you're, <laughs> I think you're, we're, we're offering a so dementia-friendly outmarshals will have a couple of programs that we we're offering, supported by dementia-friendly Virginia. Uh, one is our workplace training, but I, I think what what uh, you're getting towards is dementia friends mm -hmm. information sessions, and so this is this is really a, an effort to um, address that stigma head-on. So. What we do in, a, in the one-hour Dementia Friends session is we provide some basic information about uh, dementia itself and the diseases that cause it. Uh, we talk about the 10 warning signs of dementia, and you mentioned one with the, losing the keys is, is, is normal aging, but if you can't remember what your keys are for, then mm. that might be the, the signal that something more serious is going on. So we talk about the 10 warning signs. Uh, and we, we really are trying to get across five key messages about dementia. So a couple of those are that dementia is caused by diseases of the brain. It's not just somebody deciding that they don't, you know, want, that they want to ask, ask a question several times. It's, it's, um, this, these are symptoms that are caused by a disease. And that it's possible to have a good quality of life, even though uh, you're living with dementia. Those messages are important, but the Dementia Friends session also asks people to commit to a small action that might help somebody living with dementia. So that might be talking to, sharing the information that you learned with somebody else. Uh, it might be deciding that you're going to go visit a neighbor who you know is caring for somebody living with dementia, something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Uh, so it's a, a small action. Uh, you know, those small actions add up. And the more uh, the more folks in our community that that have uh, had their awareness raised in a, in a, in such a session, then the more businesses that become dementia friendly, then uh, the more the, the easier it will be for for people living with dementia and their care partners to to uh, remain engaged.
right. Thank you so much, George Worthington. We're going to take a short break, everyone. When we come back, uh, we're going to learn more from George Worthington about how dementia-friendly Albemarle Charlottesville, DFAC, and Dementia Friends are two separate things, but they are closely related initiatives. And what's our part in this, all of us uh, listening today and everyone we know? Stay with us. We'll be right back with George Worthington. Taking care of an Alzheimer's patient is a pretty much a full-time Fifty percent of caregivers die uh, while they are caring for awareness someone. about Alzheimer's and research. Just because someone's mind is being diminished does not mean that uh, the ordinary physical things don't happen. They can uh, have a sore throat and not be able to tell you. And they can have something in their eye and not be able to explain it. So you have to be aware that in every respect, life is still going on for them physically, even though you are focused on the, uh, the mental dementia, the, the person is still living a life physically and emotionally. For all those who see this video, I hope you will learn more than I ever did before you ever have to know it. That's my message. Support, please, the Alzheimer's Association. Thank you. Please call 800-272-3900. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices Talk News Radio Program. My guest today is George Worthington. We've introduced him quite extensively in the last segment, but George, I'm just wondering if you could tell us, I know you, you uh, of course, were educated in Melbourne, Australia, as we mentioned, and in the United Kingdom, and how long have you been in Virginia? So, uh, many people don't realize this, but I actually grew up in Charlottesville, and left, I guess, after college, I left the U.S. and, and worked overseas for, for most of my adult life, but I've been back since 2014, so about okay. five years, and, uh, and very happy to be back, too, I have to say. Well, I have to say you are a blessing on the area, that's for sure, and I'm, and, and by extension on the nation this and, and, and the world, because we need to all accept that denial is not a solution, and Alzheimer's does not discriminate and that it is a worldwide, a global situation that needs to be addressed by, by everyone. But let me let George do the talking. We touched on the differences, or you did in any case, between dementia-friendly Albemarle Charlottesville, DFAC, and dementia friends. You've made the point they're two separate things, but they're closely related. How do both or either help support caregivers? That's a big issue for me. Oh, not because yeah. not because anyone deserted me when I was going through this, but because I was unaware that such help was available. Yeah, and that's that's a, a really good question. Um, so, with the dementia friends the, the, that we just talked about, uh, that's that's really um, not. I guess it's supporting caregivers by helping create a, a better environment. Um, uh-huh. And one of, the, one of the things that we know uh, increases the stress and burden on caregivers is that stigma, whether it's uh, coming from within the family or whether it's coming from friends and you're, people are reluctant to talk about what's going on with their loved one or from the community at large. And so the, the Dementia Friends uh, information sessions are really intended to help address that stigma on a, on a broad level. Mm. 
with Dementia Friendly Albemarle Charlottesville, I guess the, the initiative that is, that is more directly intended to support care partners and, and the person living with dementia themselves is the Dementia Friendly at Work training, which we offer to local businesses. So this is a, a similar um, one-hour session. We can, we can tailor that a bit, um, adding in case studies that are relevant to the, to the business or sector that the business is in. And we provide similar information to what's in the Dementia Friends session, but uh, with a focus on um, uh, recognizing uh, the, the signs and symptoms of dementia, understanding uh, the, the needs of, of families living with dementia. So I say families because it's not just the person, it's also yes. the care partner. That's right. Uh, and also a bit of a focus on environmental changes that businesses can change or think about uh, in terms of, of uh, serving customers or clients that are living with dementia and their care partners. So, for example, for a uh, restaurant, that might mean having a particular time of day when they, they offer maybe dementia-friendly dining, which might mean turning the lights up a bit, uh, turning the music down a bit, um, making sure that uh, just a calmer period of the, of the day for the restaurant. So um, lots of activity can be confusing for folks with dementia and kind of add to that stress of actually you know, get, getting out of the house and, and um, going out to eat or going shopping. Having a more welcoming and calmer environment can be really helpful. So I, I think that that side of our initiative, that that work, that training of the workforce is 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 key to helping caregivers. But I'll just throw in a plug for my my former employer. So if if you if folks are looking for services and supports, and I know it's it's confusing and there's there's so much out there, uh, and it's hard to find information on uh, on on what is available. But I would suggest that your your really your your first two points of call should be the Jefferson Area Board for Aging or Java. Uh, they have a one. They have a wonderful um, information and referral folks who can provide uh, you with contact information and um, sometimes even help uh, help you apply for things for uh, a range, a, a wide range of services from transportation to uh, home health to all all sorts of things. Mm. And my second point of call that I would recommend would be the Alzheimer's Association. So they have a really great uh, 24-hour helpline, mm-hmm. uh, all free. Uh, you can ask them any question. So if you're, if you're a care partner for somebody living with dementia and you're struggling with some, with some behaviors or with um, wondering, wondering what to do in a, in a particular situation, you can call their helpline and, and get professional help. Um, and they're also really, really great at um, linking, uh, linking you to dementia-specific services and supports as well. So things like caregiver support groups, which are really invaluable for, yes. for care partners. Um, I don't know if you took advantage of them when you were when you were caring for your parents, but many folks find them really great spaces to vent a little. And also learn from other care part, other the experiences of other people providing care. Uh, it's it's a difficult road, and yes. uh, being as informed as possible is is really key to navigating that successfully. 
Well, again, George, you know, I'm just overwhelmed with how helpful uh, this conversation is from you, everything that you're saying. And I have to say, please listen to George, because I, I just, I mean, I was in New York and I was doing fine. And all of a sudden I get a call from an aunt about my parents. She didn't know what was going on. I understood what Alzheimer's was when the doctor told me, I thought, but it's not something you should try and do alone. I... Uh, I half joke when I say I was trial by fire. It was because I had this director attitude that I would simply go down. It, it would, of course, be the most important production I ever directed, and it was. But it it wasn't something you just okay. Now everybody do this. This is what I say, and I'm going back to New York. It was 12 years long. You need family to understand. You need friends. And no, George, I didn't. I wasn't a part of a of, of of a support group that could talk and listen to the experiences of others until after I had lost my parents. And I've been steeped in that kind of thing ever since, in hopes that programs like this, of course, will help people not go through what I I've gone through. So thank you so much for George for sharing that, making those points, and particularly I want to come back to the businesses and what you're suggesting. I love that because that too was a challenge for me. But before that because I've discussed this with the people at the Alzheimer's Association before. Historically, in America, many communities haven't always enjoyed what I would call full citizenship. For example, women, for heaven's sake, we know that. People of color, and generally people whose thoughts and feelings have been repressed for whatever reason. What's what's happening for those communities? And, in fact, um, when you mention people of color, the prevalence of dementia is slightly is higher for for, for African Americans and for Hispanic Americans. Hmm. So uh, it's important that um, that these communities are that they are part of these initiatives as well. And um, I think one of the there's a there's a, a large movement led by the um, AARP called the Livable Communities Initiative, which is really intended to help communities engage better with their their aging population. Mm-hmm. And dementia friendly is, is part of that, I think. It's it's certainly we're we're focusing on a specific group of, of folks, but it, it fits within that broader narrative of treating treating our older neighbors and, and um, citizens with, with the respect and understanding that they deserve. And um, there's a there's a movement to uh, disrupt ageism, and I think what we're trying to do is disrupt stigma, uh, and that that forms part of that ageism. So really, everything that that dementia friendly Albemarle Charlottesville is doing is is intended to help disrupt that stigma. Mm-hmm. How then? Okay, and thank you. And I'm but back to the businesses. Uh, I just wanted to make certain we touch on that before we go because. Uh, as I said, I, of course, as long as I could, I would take my parents out to their Sunday morning breakfast, which was a big tradition for them, and that became impossible at one point. But there were there were years when it did work. What are we asking of restaurants, and what other kind of businesses, and how can we help them make this uh, addition? So our our um, dementia friendly at work. Uh, training is really aimed at not at any kind of organization. So 
communities of faith, neighborhood associations, residential care uh, organizations, banks, legal services, other other um, retail businesses, and and also local government as well mm. needs to be involved. What we're what we're trying to to do there is uh, offer again some some basic awareness training, but we're asking businesses to commit to becoming dementia friendly. So it's not just a one-off training. We mm. would we are, we're looking for businesses to commit to training at least half of their staff are volunteers with a, with a goal of having 100% of their staff trained in, in dementia awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd, we'd like businesses to uh, agree to support family caregivers to the extent possible, and that will, that will be different depending on, on the sector of the, of the organization. So, for example, faith-based communities, uh, that might be including some extra outreach for, for the for the members of their congregation who are who are um, living with dementia. Mm-hmm. Having having that better understanding should enable them to support the, those families better. Yes. We would also ask uh, that they uh, the businesses will um, schedule training regularly. So maybe once a year they have a refresher course for, for their staff. We know we know we know turnover is an issue for some for some sectors and we want to make sure that uh, we're not losing that knowledge. Yes. Yes. Okay. I wonder if we could make certain that everyone knows how to reach your organization. You have websites, telephone numbers we can call. I know you've mentioned, and I'll mention uh, so that yours is the last going out. Um, there is an issue. I'll make it a question, too. Sorry, I want to get your opinion on it. <laughs> we may run a little over, but it's okay. First of all, I want to mention a former guest, attorney, elder attorney, um, as in dealing with elders, seniors uh, exclusively, Doris Gelpman, G-E-L-B-M-A-N, very much uh, a friend of the Alzheimer's Association, and she brought up to me in my uh, interview with her, the if her she gets involved, of course, when people wait too late to do the things they need to set legally in place, um, but um, also when elders or, or people, patients with mental illnesses are mistreated by friends and family as well as maybe institutionally, how do, do you have any is is part of your awareness and education and training does it help people to understand they they can't bully the patient do you get involved in that at all just curious so that's interesting i saw doris uh, last week at a, at a training on elder abuse mm. and it's it's the the numbers around care partners of people living with dementia and elder abuse are quite Shocking. So, roughly, uh, these are these are national statistics. Mm. But about eight percent of care partners said they've been verbally abusive to the person that, that's living with dementia, and that's that's you know that's that's yeah. concern. Yes. Uh, our training doesn't specifically address that. Those are issues that are better handled by um, adult protective services, for example, or or other social social services. So. We, what we hope to um, achieve through through our information sessions and our training sessions is to develop that understanding so those caregivers might be abusing their uh, or verbally abusing that person because they don't understand that the behavior that mm-hmm. they're seeing is caused by a disease. Yes. 
So just getting some of that really basic uh, but very important information out there might help reduce the, 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 the problem of, of um, abuse by, by family care partners. Um, but, but our training doesn't specifically address that issue now. Okay. This has been fabulous, our conversation with George Worthington. And I would like now, George, if you don't mind, before we go, tell us what we can do and how we get a hold of the organization and the groups you've mentioned to get involved, to learn more about mental illness, dementia, Alzheimer's, and how we can support your organizations. Uh, so you can follow us on Facebook. Uh, we are um, Dementia Friendly AC, that's all one word, on Facebook. And uh, currently our email address, you can email me, gworthington, W-O-R-T-H-I-N-G-T-O-N, dot D-F-A-C at gmail.com. Okay. And do you guys have a hotline? Or I know Alzheimer's, as you mentioned, Alzheimer's Association does. Do you have a number that one can call or should call, or should we stick with the email and the website and Facebook? Yes, so we're, we're an all-volunteer organization, and uh, no, we don't have a, a phone contact at this point. Okay, so. not a problem. All right, well, thank you so very much, George Worthington, for being on the show today. Uh, George Worthington is a tremendous addition to the fight for awareness, so that we let us who do not have to endure this uh, directly, uh, dementia and Alzheimer's and other mental illnesses, be the, the stewards for those who do. We need care, and I love the term caregiver partners. I don't think I've ever heard that before, George. Thank you for sharing that. So, George Worthington, thank you so very much for being on the show today. And of course, we wish you all the best, and I'm positive our paths will cross many times. Well, thank you so much, Marcella. It's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you. Bye now. There is nothing wrong with me. He was funny before he developed dementia, and he was funny after. Denial is not the solution. Alzheimer's is not going to go away. More than 5 million families are dealing with Alzheimer's or related dementia, and that is more like 20 million people, because for each individual with a diagnosis, there is at least three primary caregivers who are trying to take care of them and give them the support and the love they need. Right here in Central Virginia, though, that number is close to 150,000 of our own friends and neighbors. We do all kinds of activities in the community, and we do those with the staff and the volunteers of those organizations having been trained. We pay attention to enjoying the opportunity of a community event and being out in the public. Our vision, of course, is a world without Alzheimer's. Support, please, the Alzheimer's Association. Thank you. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. A nation that cages children in abuse, chaos, and denial is broken. Should any American soldier be so base and infamous as to injure any prisoner, I do most earnestly enjoin you to bring him to such severe and exemplary punishment as the enormity of the crime may require, for by such conduct they bring shame, disgrace, and ruin to themselves and their country. George Washington
with questionable military service commitment or indeed involvement, men like George W. Bush, Dick Cheney, Mitch McConnell, Bill Barr, and Donald Trump will never understand our first commander-in-chief's indictment that our American dream definition of American exceptionalism be ensconced in an embrace of moral and ethical treatment of prisoners, by extension, the less fortunate, and ultimately, children. For while such powerful men will die of old age dreaming of life on Mars, they willingly deny this opportunity to children alive on Earth today, choosing instead to leave them behind to die of climate change. Who among James Madison's constitution-creating patriots gave any attorney general the right to deny police protection to cities that don't show respect to police? What should we, the people, do about Rudy Giuliani still in Ukraine profaning any democracy's core value, truth? When did we choose to ignore and be ignored by non-voting citizens, thus acquiescing our land of the free aspiration and home of the brave acclamation to the lost world of a reptilian mob mentality? Where is their support for the government we elect to go beyond making wars and raising taxes to pay for them, to actually claim the right and embrace the responsibility to elevate the lives of all who live in America? 1863 draft riots? New equity laws in 1857? FDR's New Deal, perhaps. Does denial of our past and future prove our presidential welcome mat can only tolerate the footprints of those armed with a penis? Does the transparency of our trolling Russian tool, trashing transgender Americans, come from Putin-probe excrement, or does our current dick doth protest too much? Why is Seoul so close to the North Korean border? asked America's 45th president. They have to move, insisted Donald Trump. All U.S. civilians should be evacuated from South Korea, orders Trump. Ignoring military and civilian advisors, the Don commands, go to it. How is it we still follow men impaling America on wars, assassinations, and domestic terrorism-caused funerals? Who is protecting our children in schools when some jurisdictions in the United States are choosing to not expend resources to enforce certain gun control measures perceived as a violation of their misinterpretation of America's Second Amendment, forgetting the importance of, one, a well-regulated militia, not the increasing number of unregulated right-wing extremists akin to those who incited tragedy and deadly violence in Charlottesville in August 2017, two, being necessary to the security of a free state. Well, since Congress and President Woodrow Wilson created America's National Guard 103 years ago, our free state has not needed the ominous portent of massively well-armed ultra-conservative vigilantes to keep Americans secure. 3. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, ignoring, of course, the all-important comma just before the words, the right making the right to bear arms contingent upon the necessity of securing the national security of a former colony transforming into a free state. Our Bill of Rights, which includes the intentionally misinterpreted and maligned Second Amendment, thoroughly abused for conservative corporatism and NRA bottom lines, became congressional law in December 1791. 125 years before the establishment of our updated regulated militia, America's National Guard. 
What is it that makes millions of Americans fantasize a Charlie Brown security blanket will save America from increasing violent threats from highly organized white supremacist militia who warn us of their intentions when Trump is removed from office, whether by unlikely Senate trial or 2020 election? When will we recognize the swelling bog of our infamous national swamp is caused by the willing self-immersion of congressional Republicans and unconfirmed acting cabinet heads wading together with murderous Turkey and Saudi dictators? Where are our Statue of Liberty priorities? In Trump's border wall? Or preventing another ice-cold detention caged child's death, whose only crime was yearning to breathe free? Why do we taunt a working young female actor instead of using social media clout to decry none of the children at the school are safe? How can we not actively emulate the good neighbor spirit of Waffle House customers rather than White House treachery and elect to reward our founders by awarding our children the happy New Year gift of a Democratic president and U.S. Senate who inspire us to unite in passionately pursuing a life of excellence. To fix what dark money conservatives have broken, America must listen to the children and attend to the future of our millennials. Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. <laughs>